Hey, welcome to Wabi Sabi. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Things are still new and I have no marketing budget, so please subscribe if you're enjoying the talks and leave a review. This show has no sponsors and I'm currently exploring community engagement through Patreon. If you'd like to learn more about that, please check out patreon.com slash Wabi Sabi podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash W-A-B-I-S-A-B-I-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. My guest today is Pitango Maybe. He's an artist, ringmaker, and storyteller, among other things. He's a friend I met years ago in Los Angeles, and our orbits don't sync up often, so I was surprised when he learned of this show and asked to come on to speak about a politically polarizing topic, Palestine and Israel. That being said, I am including a content warning, as the topics discussed may be triggering for some. While we do discuss subjective and objective views on the Middle East, there are also stories shared of military service that include themes of combat, death, and PTSD. If you take issue with these topics, then you may want to pass on these stories for now. Otherwise, keep your mind free and your heart open. Here's Pitango. So, thank you for coming. Thank you for bringing me here. I kind of insisted, I have to say the truth. <laughs> but I like... I like. It was kind of my idea when I said, I'm starting a podcast. I, I want to pursue people. Yeah. And I also want to, I want to secretly be pursued too. Yeah. So when you said, and we, we sat and had unbelievable tea at our friends, Chris and Mickey uh, in Topanga, and you said, I want to come on your podcast and talk to you about Israel-Palestine. I yeah. said, yes, because I don't know I don't really have anyone to be able to talk about it with because I feel like I don't really have any tangible experience with it, you know, and nor do I even have like a close perspective. I mean, I have family there. Yeah. Um, and we don't have to dive into it right at the second, but... I actually think it's a great idea. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of people that actually have a solid opinion about the subject, about Israel and Palestine, and generally the Middle East, is is most of the... T- I mean, I would say all the people that I meet here that have a solid opinion about it, it's people who never actually been in the Middle East. Yeah. So their perspective is only from the media even if lately we get a slightly bigger perspective because of facebook and and sources like that but still is only is only an angle of the truth and i feel like it's really important when we look at something so important that we actually do our own search instead of um instead of just receive information from people who already have an opinion about the subject and they do their search from a solid opinion of what is the truth. I feel like it's really important to, when you come to a subject like that, that you actually remove everything that is truth for you (laughs) and just start really clean. it's not only about that subject, it's with, it's, with, it's with everything. But, you know, when people go, go into politics, they, they already have an opinion. They already have a truth. There's already and, a bias. <clears throat> yeah, and to remove that truth, it's so hard that it's, if you can artificially remove the truth before you go to any kind of important subject and just go to it clean and really hear the other person that would be really important so and that's why I actually wanted to come here and to speak about it is 
because there was one point in my life where my truth was not validated anymore even not only from my environment but even from my own consciousness you know like I I develop a, a new consciousness and and a new integrity and my old truth and my and my knowledge and my information about what is right and what is wrong was not was, was not true anymore so by the way I'm so fascinated by the taste of the tea that I'm gonna drink soon oh my god <laughs> yes first of all God, yes, exactly what I what I, what I was imagining. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Boom. you for coming. Boom. funny when I, I I this you are my fifth person interview story to hear and I don't have a format yeah with this show I'm, I'm even he- hesitant to call it a show um, and I don't even know if I want to introduce people as we sit here yeah. or or like I'll do I usually now for the last three uh, that I I put out, I spend like one or two minutes talking, like um, I make like another recording and I I do a few minutes, two minutes of like intro. Yeah. Like this is who I spoke with and I know we we have this history and da 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 and you know this is what he or she does and so here's the conversation you know then that's how yeah. I that's how I present yeah. that. Do you want any context here? I don't know if it's matter. Okay. I don't know if if yes my life story it's important for context but <clears throat> it's important for the story that I'm going to say right now yeah. about my truth but the story himself is not really the past himself is not really important. What's okay. important is how I say the story. And and every time, in every point of my life, when I would go back to my story, I would say it in a completely different way anyway. Yeah. So I guess I don't need to be attached to the story, to the past, to who I am, to who I was. And, right. And um, generally, I can, just, I can just say that I born in the Middle East. I born in a place called Israel that even the name himself is a conflict because some people call it Palestine mm-hmm. and some call some people call it Mother Earth, Gaia, mm-hmm. whatever. There is a lot of names to the same place where I born. But I born in a in Tel Aviv and it was by the sea. By a beautiful it, it's it's a great place to have a nice childhood, at least back then. There is a, there was back then there was a lot of safety, mm-hmm. so you could actually it was one of those places that you can actually uh, feel safe that your kids are playing outside or, or walk a mile to the beach and and be there and surf or or, or do whatever. It is it, it used to be a very safe environment. I don't think it's the same no more. Because since then there was a lot of a lot of things that happening in in Israel, and I feel most of those things are are there was a it's not only in Israel it's reflect all over the world you know there was a big change and a lot of uh, unknown came to the world you know like before you know we used to have. Like when when we born, you know, there was a black and white television, or some people had a color television. We thought 
and people just land on the moon and we thought like oh my god this is this is we found the truth you know this is this is how it's going this is what it is you know yeah and we didn't understand that all those things actually the only thing that they created is 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 unknown and mm. not known yeah and yeah and i feel like since then we have a very big unknown everywhere including israel mm. oh my god If I would ever make a documentary or movie or any kind of movie about about my life, you know, not that I'm saying that I need a movie, but if I because everybody everybody have that everybody is a star in their own movies, right? Sure. So if I would like and everybody have to be a really good 24/7 actor of their of their part you know and the more they're conscious about their part the better the better the movie is right and if i would have to start my movie it would probably be uh, in 1989 in a tank and we're four people in the tank there is the one there is the there is the commander it is on top there is the driver there is the one that actually put the bombs inside of you know like for to shoot I wish I had the the right words to you know the military words because mm. <laughs> you know I didn't really speak English back then mm -hmm. and and there was me that I was about I, I was the one who was supposed to shoot right and we were in Lebanon <clears throat> and and we just realized that that there is people that walking on the mountain in the area that you are not supposed to walk because uh, there is a certain kind of hours from dark to the next morning that whoever walk in that area known to be killed so supposedly the, the only people that would walk in this time and uh, they're they're terrorists now okay. we we have to understand that we're not in the borders of israel we're in the we're in lebanon yeah in southeast of Lebanon um, and we are and we're watching those 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 figures on on the night visions you know it's called artichok mm -hmm. secrets now I'm gonna be dead and <laughs> 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 uh, <coughs> that's the technology of, of uh, night vision and lasers we're talking about 1989 just so we know mm -hmm. super high-tech and we're you know we're supposed to we're waiting to 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 a permission to shoot and you know we, we have to understand the concept i've been trained for a whole year to to do exactly what i'm about to do to kill people that's what I've been training you know that was my yeah. training you know yeah so there was there, there was a lot of there was a lot of emotions in me but there was also like a lot of a lot of instinct you know there was already instinct that were seeds in me which I didn't even know that those instincts are in me and then I get the permission to start shooting and and I'm not shooting and my commander is like shoot shoot all in Hebrew mm -hmm. Hebrew is already like a aggressive rush. yeah aggressive language yeah. so 
it was and when he say the he, the word in Hebrew is ra um, tira 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 means shoot in Hebrew but it's the sound of it is also mean being bad and also mean be afraid which I actually by the way only figure it out this second <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> so in that moment I I'm I'm paralyzed like I'm not doing anything and the, you know supposedly the enemy is getting closer and I'm I'm paralyzed and we all paralyze except the commander that he have his commander in the walkie-talk and it's all it's all like artillery they're all waiting for me to shoot so the the the, the artillery you know around us will shoot to the sky uh, how do you call those bombshells that explode in the sky and then they create light like flares whatever something but yeah so it, they're all waiting for me to shoot so everybody else can do their part and and I'm not <clears throat> so I don't know how long it is but <clears throat> it probably was all all that thing was not more than 30 seconds but after 30 seconds probably I got a kick in my head from my commander he literally kicked you in the head yeah like it really like I ha I'm, I'm wearing an helmet, helmet so yeah. so he's kicking me in my head and then I start shooting and the moment I start shooting something happened to me I became I became that being that I didn't know I became that excited killer excited unemotional killer that just get adrenaline out of actions you know but yeah you, you, I see that you have uh, no no I'm no? listening so there was like I was getting higher and higher like I probably never been so high in my life right just by the action and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it as it is I'm not going to pretend the excitement of me seeing myself killing those people able to see myself actually like actually seeing those people get hurt from you so you saw that yeah absolutely yeah, yeah from yeah very from, clear from, yeah and the idea that i actually see that I was brought me to I, w I would go far and say to ecstasy mm -hmm. that's how far I would go and and it's the whole process was about and and in that process we have the driver of the tank mm -hmm. that is keep shouting all the time what's happening what's happening like he, he doesn't see he doesn't see and he definitely afraid from his life for yeah. his life because the moment I start shooting there is a lot of things happening in the yeah. sky, you know, a lot yeah. of artillery, a lot of, yeah. and they all, and, and he listened to me shout. And one thing that I was shouting that I remember very, very strong is that I shout, I see their meat going out of their body. Yeah. Because I truly did see. Yeah. And... In that point, I want to pass forward. Mm -hmm. That's how you say that? Yeah, jump forward. Jump forward. A um, few years after. Mm -hmm. And I'm in Brazil. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm in one of the most beautiful places in Brazil called Piracanga. It's in the Bahia. And... It's a beautiful eco village with just as you picture it, you know, some 
a lot of coconut trees and and um, like beautiful blue ocean and in between the the houses that they're all like so tropical and organic there is a there's a small river that is actually pretty shallow so you can walk when you go to the beach you have to walk through the river and I'm sitting on the river bank and there is the tide that go up and down and the tide go up and in this place the tide go really fast yeah on the river so you can actually see that in action it's really interesting and I'm I'm in the river bank and I see those ants that build their house and I was like oh my god the tide is coming to them and the tide is going to kill them all and it's pretty obvious for me and I'm I'm like and I'm really worried for them like and I'm so present to the situation and I start to to take them to take their their how do you call that thing of the um, house, but the, it's an ant house. How do you call it? I mean, it's usually shaped like a hill. So I was here like an ant hill or an ant, ant farm hill. Or so, something. so the colony. The colony. the colony. So I take the whole colony from the <clears throat> bottom, and I move it to another place, to a safe place. And I'm doing it for like you know, it's take me a while because you have to be so gentle and and like I'm talking to the ants, tell them that it's okay, you know. That please don't worry, it's gonna be fine. I'm not coming to hurt you. And I realize how they really understand me in their own way, right? Mm -hmm. There is a communication, and they trust me, and it's really beautiful for me. Like I'm, and the more I see that I get a permission from them, the more we kind of like I unite with the ants, which is kind of never happened to me before because as a kid I used to always kill hands mm -hmm. you know <laughs> it was seriously maybe the first time that I actually save hands and it's take me like at least half an hour and I save them and then I'm done and the and the tide go where the ants were and I'm looking at that and everything stop and I say suddenly I have the biggest realization I ever had in my life until now until that day and I say you know I'm not a killer of people I'm an end saver and and I start crying it was very emotional very powerful for me very strong healing it's made me to realize for the first time in my life that I am what I see in myself of who I am, you know, like really what I feel about myself is my perspective of who I am and it's changed with my own doing. It's not necessarily a reflection of my past. It's like the fact that I came here with Uber doesn't make me to be Uber. You know, it's make me to be me, but I came here with a Uber and I'm very grateful for that. But it's just part of my journey. Who I am truly in, especially with people who doesn't know me, because like, for example, if somebody that's going to hear that podcast who doesn't know me, yeah, the only thing that they know about me is the way I represent myself right now. And the more present we are, the more present I am going to be right now. And, and true to my own self and true to you the better perspective people would have about who I am and then they have the tools to like me or not they don't necessarily have to like me maybe there is things that I would say that would piss them off but still they will found some truth that is relevant to them in me that maybe will let them to look at their own truth in a different way hmm. is that clear sure yeah so yeah <laughs> I think I made a presentation that's a good lean yeah it's a good <laughs> intro <laughs> intro um, 
I didn't plan to make an intro. Actually. No, I know. I I mean. Yeah, but it was yeah. Do I even call it an? Intro I know, no, but intro. it's kind of yeah, it's kind of. Came, it's, yeah. yeah, it's definitely yeah. It's a beginning of a beginning of an epic story. I, you know, when I hear what you're saying, I naturally have a lot of questions. Um, you know, in response to those, you know, the particular events that you were talking about, but. Um, you said that was '89, and you happened to be in Lebanon. Yeah. Was that and that you said that was the first time you'd been in that scenario where you, um, you know, you targeted people, individuals. Um, had you been in situations after that, similar situations? Like, what's the? Yeah, I've been in. A, I've been in different. In I've been in another really powerful situation. Uh, Actually, it was really interesting because after that, but first of all, like, just to make things clear so people would not have any mystery about the subject, to close the story, so, so yes, uh, five people have been killed, and I killed... You know who they were? They were um, supposedly from a from a organization that connected to the Hezbollah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a smaller organization, but everything that we know is is from information of 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 the Israeli army. So I don't know the story from the other side. Right. I did met people that that been from that area that have a different kind of story, a different kind of perspective. The name of the village was Kaukabe. And I remember, like, coming to this area, like, driving with the tank and and looking at, at, at the environment. And I was like, oh, my God, this place is so beautiful. This place is so beautiful. And I never really had, like, a strong touch of nature like I didn't really, when I was 18, 19, I didn't really have a value to nature in that way. We used to shoot nature for practice, you know? Yeah. We used to shoot with our tanks. We used to shoot natures all the time. That was our, that was our routine, you know? Like go to, to a mountain and, and just shoot the mountains for hours, you know, with crazy bombs, you know? That's what, you know? You're talking about like for fun or for training? No, for training. For training, yeah. It is fun in a way because it's fun to shoot. Yeah. Well, especially but, at that age, what, 18, Yeah, 19? especially in that age. Like, Probably. And, and, and especially like when you, when you, when you think about yourself as a hero because this is how you train to think about yourself right. because part of the ethos like the whole yeah thing. you know like you put yourself you put on you those those uniforms and immediately you, you f- and the gun and immediately you feel that you're way more important than what you are um, especially if you're a warrior then it's a completely different thing because we have to understand that in Israel is mandatory to be in the army but mm-hmm. yet I would say probably 80% of the people that actually join the army are not fighters they're working in office jobs. They're working in the kitchen. They were, and most of them do have guns and uniforms. So I'm not sure about the numbers, by the way, but we can always check it later. But generally, when when people put on themselves uniforms and weapons, they immediately feel stronger. Right. And what 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 I. What I did notice, you know, because in the morning when, 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 you know, we waited in the tank and then when the morning came, you know, there was the people, there was like hundreds of people suddenly, like really important people, the, the head general of the army and all that. They all came and, and they all treated me as a hero mm-hmm. and I did uh, get a reward for being a hero and me and my crew too. Mm-hmm. But in the eyes of everybody, even though I had a crew in, but the eyes of everybody was me. It was just me. You know, it was all about me killing those people. 
and and I did I I did, I never really stopped think stopped to think about it. it. Was always something that, you know how like you know like people say you know when I used to come to different situation people say oh you know this is a. This is he, you know, he's the one that... And I would always, like, play the humble game, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like, kind of like, oh, please don't mention it. But somewhere in me, I would enjoy that, you know, because, I, you know, because I was born in this reality that was so... Brought up in it. Yeah, yeah that the, whoever, you know, like, I'm a hero in their eyes, and I don't want to break that from them, and I don't want to break that from me. Like, I want to see myself as a hero because... I never been nobody ever looked at me as a hero before. Yeah. For anything else I did. Yeah. I was a terrible student. I didn't have a lot of friends. I, I was not like a great musician. I was not I was not a painter. I was not I, I I couldn't have any credit on my name that will make me a hero in no one eyes or mind or ear. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just less than a regular dude i was just someone who barely could say his opinion because i was sure that everybody else's opinion is 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 smarter and stronger than mine and everybody else is they know more what they're talking about so i would generally speaking i would make a joke out of everything and i would be whatever whatever people wanted me to be usually was was just a little bit give like this spice of fun to every situation but never really go deep to any in any subject yeah so suddenly i'm i'm a you're a hero i'm a hero so but what i notice is that the, in the morning and that's why i came back to that is that the people that we call terrorists back then and you can call you can call them any name you want, you know. But as a fact, those people had had uniform, even though their uniform was completely destroyed by the amount of bullets that I shoot them, and the bombs and everything. That they barely had a shape to any part of their body. But the most strong memory I had was their uniform. So, so the perspective of just, just so we, we refine that, where those people come from in their environment, in their family, those people are not called terrorists. They call soldiers yeah. and freedom fighters. Yeah. And we do have to remember that. Even though we agree with their mission or not, calling them terrorists is actually make us not to understand where they're coming from because they have names to the Israeli army too and it's not a hero and it's not soldiers yeah it sounds like what you're saying is having referred to them as quote terrorists is just that it's a dehumanizing term and obviously they have names they probably have families absolutely and obviously as you, you pointed out they had uniforms it's like suddenly you realize there's this this is weird intersection of stories right they were living their own story you're living your own story and in that moment you guys met and you you followed orders yeah and then you sort of lived out this further story of you know you're the hero yeah after after uh i don't know fulfilling the order i don't know what the right terminology is it's interesting it for me it's so interesting to hear to hear uh any of the story because i i myself was also born in israel but raised here so i had the option of doing the mandatory service or not. And I think somewhere in my teens, early teens, I think my mom, because by then my parents were divorced, my dad was out of the picture for a long time. Um, <clears throat> but uh, my mom decided to, uh, I think, exempt me 
maybe there was just a brief conversation. So I really have no, nor do I even, did I even back then have a desire to, to go voluntarily. I have friends who are, you know, Israeli by family, but they're born here, but they also voluntarily went. I have a few friends who became like, you know, uh, photographers out in the field and all that stuff. But my only sort of storyline with it is through my dad, who I still don't have a full picture of, but he was, you know, he told me a couple stories of like Navy SEAL, Special Forces, those kinds of stories. and, um, And even from him... I get, you know, I get a, you know, a biased perspective on the situation. I mean, just to bring it back to the, to the, to the situation, I mean, the situation. Yeah. If you, I don't even know how to refer to it because there's, as you say, there's this implicit bias with everyone because of how much sort of media narrative there is. I've, I've been there. I've been, I haven't been to, you know, Gaza but I've been to, I went to Bethlehem for Christmas Eve five years ago. That was my one and only experience on the other side of that wall. Yeah. One experience. Yeah. And even then, I remember going in, it was like, <gasps> like what's going to happen? And am I going to get in trouble? I and uh, not am I going to get in trouble from people on the other side, but just like, am I going to get in trouble trying to come back in? Yeah. Because of my status or my yeah. citizen citizenship and all these again all these stories that it sort of intersect with each other and and you could actually look Palestinian or Israeli me too like I, I could pass I yeah. could pass both both ways you know I think I think that's what actually now in retrospect that's kind of what helped me on on both sides when i even spent time 10 years ago in spain you know for a week people came up to me and started speaking sure in spanish, spanish or yeah. catalonian and i was like i'm so sorry i don't speak spanish and i had a couple of people who were just like i was convinced how you is were, it possible how is that possible What's wrong with you? yeah exactly. <laughs> so it's funny to 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 talk about that to just to reflect on it for a second because it's like i don't realize i have that going for me but like you know How do you even how how do you even objectively I guess there's no objectivity here really, but subjectively speaking, you you personally have so much experience having grown up there, having been in and out of the army. How does your truth speak to Not the media narrative, but just like what you, what you, what do you do in response to the quote situation? Like, how do you live your truth? You know? Yeah. Well, it's definitely, <clears throat> it's definitely a, an expansion, you know, like when you have that kind of experience and you acknowledge the experience you don't run away from that because i do have friends that i mentioned them situations that have been with me in the army that i mentioned that situation that we've been together in gaza for example and they will tell me what what the hell are you talking about this never happened so so there is a lot of denied right but when you don't have the denied then you necessarily have an expansion because you see, like, I believe that if there is something, like, let's say that we go spiritual one moment, everybody have an inner child in them, right? Like, this this, this beautiful, innocent human being, this pure soul that just waiting for us to acknowledge that purity that we're staying inside of ourselves. And... I feel like situations like that make their child not to be safe. And people will change forever from not having that 
contact with their inner child. Okay. And when you do acknowledge trauma or experience like that, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> you do acknowledge the pain of that inner child, the pain of that purity. And the moment you acknowledge that, and there is recognition of that being, then this child actually is able to come back. And that's the beautiful part. And then this is expansion. And then when people tell you, choose a side, because this is how we, we live in an environment of right and wrong. Right, right. black so, and white. So the other day, like a few weeks back, a few months back, there was a lady from Jordan that called me that heard about my story. And she say, yeah, I want to bring you in and, and document it. And, and you lecture in Jordan about, and you know, and the whole time I hear her saying, we're against Israel. Mm -hmm. And I stopped her one moment. I was like, wait a second, you know, like I want things to be clear. Yeah. Before you bringing me anywhere, before you invest your time in me, you just have to, I just want to be clear on one thing. I'm not against Israel. I'm not against Palestine. I'm not against anybody. I'm only for the truth. You know, that's the only thing that I want to represent. And even my truth, I'm limited. Even in my well, perspective, it's of the subjective. Truth, yeah. Yes, because there is so many angles that I still didn't see. So my my ability to know that I do not know bring me a lot of co conscious about not to do actions that I will regret later on because I already created the biggest karma of all karmas. I killed people. Yeah. Like in every situation I come, like, you know, I'm going to a lot of festivals and I'm hanging out with a lot of hippies and spiritual, spiritual people, but I also hang out with regular people, right? In my job. And I mean, regular, everybody's regular, right? But you know, like the, you know, people always put in frames. So, I, the only thing that I know that if I stop one moment and I look around, I'm like thinking to myself, oh my God, I'm the worst person of everybody else here. I actually killed people. I, there is no one here that killed people. I'm right. the only one. <laughs> and I'm always, I always start as the worst person in the room. Hmm. And I feel like I do have a responsibility to be a great person. You know, I do have a responsibility to expand my integrity. And I don't know if I'm good at it or not, but I know that I have a responsibility to be that person, to be transparent, to be vulnerable, to to care, you know, and, and to be fun, you know, to make, you know, to be a trickster, you know, still to bring my personality. I, I do have that trickster personality in me, you know, like... But I do have to represent, like, I don't have credits. Other people have still credits. They can make, like, a major mistake still and be okay with that. I can't handle it no more. I did, like, I reached the limit of my credits, you know. I'm, game over is really, like, borderline for me all the time. You're and saying I, from a karmic perspective? No, only from karmic, from self-consciousness, okay. too. You know, like, because I'm not sure if karma, We everybody see the meaning of words in different way. Like right. I don't really see karma as a punishment. Right. I truly see karma as someone that something that actually bringing you back to the path and not necessarily punch you in your face. Something that actually like just push you just mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you're good, but just a little bit to the right. <laughs> you know, that's what I feel. So when I say karma, yeah, yeah I definitely like pushed my karma off-road big time you know i i i'm it's interesting as, as i'm hearing just the things that you're saying right now i start to i start to get curious like are you saying these things in like a in a redemptive quality like are you like are you do you seek i don't get this feeling that you're seeking redemption it's more like humility and sort of you know where where sort of shame actually turns into gratitude. I don't you know I don't I don't get the sense that you've 
you look at the things that you've done yeah. and you live through them, but do you carry it around as a, as a kind of a jacket of shame? No, not at so. all. No, yeah. I, I actually yeah. not. I actually yeah. feel very, very grateful. Yeah. First of all, I feel grateful to survive that because yeah. I know that most people would experience that even if they would, you know, when I say survive, it doesn't mean to be alive or dead, you know. It's mean Just that live with it. Yeah, to yeah, live yeah. with that and to be conscious about the experience yeah. and still live your life as according to to your mission in life, you know, according to to the path that you meant to serve here, you know. And you know, not letting something like that to disturb you, to distract you, actually let something like that to actually empower you. And I feel like for to arrive there, I did have to have the shame. I can't I can't if You're not you, avoiding the shame. Oh man, there, yeah. there was, you know, I, we we skipped. You know, there was there was a big part that we were not talking about. Like I I jumped all the way from yeah. me killing people to me on to the bank Brazil. of the river in Brazil, yeah. but all the way in between those twelve years or whatever, there was a lot of 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 nightmares. Yeah. There was a lot of traumas. There was a lot of pain. Yeah. There was a lot of shame, you know. So, but I do see, I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not, if, if, I would, if I would meet a family of Lebanese people that lost their child in that war, I will feel, I will feel pain for them. And I will be very, very gentle in my in my verbal expression, and I would apologize because I don't, I don't say I don't. It's not like I don't take responsibility on my action. Mm -hmm. It's not the truth. I do take. I did kill people. You know, I, I'm conscious about it. The fact that it's it's in my past and I'm present doesn't makes doesn't make that that I I'm not conscious about me part mm -hmm. of me that did that and it doesn't matter that i've been forced to do that as a soldier i did it and and i i i do take responsibility about it yeah like let's just i want if that yeah. was yeah no 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 yeah, that wasn't even i uh, yeah no but but it's true it's important that yeah. people would know that i do acknowledge and i do take yeah. responsibility and i'm i can't say i'm sorry because Really, I don't believe in sorry in that perspective because my sorriness will bring nothing to the world. The most important thing is my actions. Yeah. So, yes, I'm sorry for the pain of the families, but I do feel, and I'm not trying to be spiritual as a fact, in myself, I feel like those beings, those five beings, are definitely part of me right now. Yeah, I represent them too. You know, it's not like I'm. Since that moment, I have a responsibility to represent only me to represent them too. Yeah, because usually, like people just look at at the perspective of the victim who got hurt, and people doesn't really aware and conscious about the one who killed the pain that the one who killed actually experienced the the pain of 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 killing. Yeah is stronger than the the pain of getting killed. Yeah. I don't even know. I mean, yeah. that's... I mean, it's pretty... It's, but but if you think about it, it's pretty obvious. You know? Yeah. The one who got killed, in a spiritual meaning, maybe have a certain kind of pain and the family have pain, but the person himself, you know... I, when, you, when you say that, and, yeah. and it's, you know, it's always profound to hear it, you know, and, and in a way, it kind of sounds like, you know, what... what for the five minutes that people can respond to, you know, the like the shootings that happen here in this country every day or every week or whatever it is. And, you know, it happens to be through some deranged white male for some maybe ideological reason, right? And most of the time. And... Uh, very little gets spoken about the mental state of that person. Yeah. You know, um, but 
I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious to know, I wish there was more time, but yeah. I have to go to pick up my daughter in a few minutes, but, mm-hmm. um, I'm curious to know, you know, again, is it useful given the, the way that people and countries and media has turned the situation into more of a situation or not? Is it useful to think of solutions or is it real? It's not because again, yeah, absolutely. what, what are like three things, you know, solutions that you think, I mean, do you think in terms of like these labels of like, well, there should be peace and there should be two states or there should be this or there should be that not to make things and not to keep things black and white. Yeah, I get, I, I feel, I feel you. I feel like when people think about solutions, right, they, they think about, um, about the end of a process, right? Like, like solution is actually the end of something, right? Mm-hmm. And the beginning of something else. And I feel like the beginning of the process is actually acknowledging the pain in both sides. Yeah. And I feel that we're not there yet. And that's the most important thing. So there is both sides feeling victimized that's really important to know you know that even though like the israelis are supposed to be the strongest they still feel victimized by the palestinians because they don't know the old story they know only one angle and the palestinians are the same they only know one angle and of course if i have to choose if I should born, if I could choose my luck, and I would say where I born in Israel, Palestine. Of course, I choose to born in Israel because I have a better chance to be able to here to be here in Los Angeles with, with a passport and 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 an O one visa when I come from Israel and not from Palestine. Because if I would be in Palestine, I would not be a soldier. I would be a terrorist. So of course, if you look at it, you know. The, the best way to find a solution is to go into the process. And I feel the most important in that process is actually, in every argument, but definitely there, is just say, let's say, as a baby, I just born today in the opposite side that I actually born. Like if I'm born in Israel, let's say, Today I born, or my child, born in Palestine, to a different family, to a Palestinian family. And try to watch and, and observe, without any attachment, just observe the reality, you know, how they wake up in the morning, what do they do, what kind of an experience they have, what kind of experience their parents have, and just watch that. Watch your mind. Watch that movie, you know. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with that movie, there will be a process and there will be a solution too. Because when you want to make a peace with somebody, you do have to see the somebody. Yeah. <laughs> you can't only see what you're going to gain out of it. Yeah. And this is how it is right now. And... I do feel like there is a solution, but the way, you know, one time I I came to visit Israel, which I don't do often, Mm -hmm. and I came to a, even though my parents belong to to the left party in Israel, I always get arguments with them, and it sounds like, for me, like, they're fanatic uh, <laughs> extremist <laughs> right wing and I sound like uh, but 
my mom, in one of the arguments, she said to me, I just want, no, actually my dad was asking me at one point, he was like, I just want to know one thing. Do you believe in the existence of Israel? And It sounds so fundamental. I know. It, with the finger, mm-hmm. you know, like putting the finger, I don't know if you can visual that. Like mm-hmm. my father was kind of an ex-general in the army. Yeah. Like putting his finger, but I want to know, do you, and you know, Hebrew is a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. And I was in the corner, you know, and I was like, truly, I don't. And my father was like, they start, my father and my dad, they, they start to shout on me. And I was like, wait a second. I just want you to know before we go there, that the fact that I don't believe in the existence of Israel, like I take Israel as it is, Israel is exist. But if you ask me if I believe in the existence of Israel, the question is if I believe in existence of any other country. I don't believe in borders that form in that kind of... I, I don't believe that those borders function well in the, in the environment that, that we're, we're trying to create right now. We're trying to create environment that actually uh, going to be fit to the kids, not to the past. So you're asking me if the kids of the future need the border of Israel or the border of Palestine or the border of France? The answer is 100% no. And this is the most important thing. It's not about, you know, it's not about Israel because I don't believe in Israel as a country. I don't believe... I don't believe in countries at all, but I do believe that in our past we needed a tribal form that based, I do believe in communities, but I don't believe in tribal form for protection. Like I don't feel like we need to protect ourselves and because of that we need to form a tribe. Yeah. I feel like I need you to observe my process and I need to observe your process and we need to reflect each other and we need to form kind of bond so we can we can journey together and we can explore love and explore just fun you know and whatever it is fun for us video games soccer whatever it is you know whatever it is then it doesn't matter but we don't need things that based out of fear no more and that's the most important thing so so yeah I don't know if I asked (laughs) about solutions but that's I carry on, you know me, so I just, you know. No, it's a great mindset to think about, about the framing and the, yeah, framing of, of children, families, the framing of communities and not uh, borders to be, have countries against one another to defend the story of a border. So, yeah, I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of funny. We're dealing with border issues right here in the United States, in the border of Mexico. And I, and I truly have, I truly have no solid opinion, uh, even though I've been in Mexico a bunch of time, and I love Mexico, and I love Mexicans, and I love Americans, and especially being in LA, it's almost the same, because this is kind of, LA is kind of American, Mexican mm-hmm. environment, and, and, don't we don't we feel safe when we see Mexicans? For sure. We never feel like I never feel fear when I see a Mexican guy. It's the opposite. I see a Mexican guy, I see somebody that I can trust. I see Mexican guy, I see hard worker, you know, that I can actually ask him for a favor to to take a look at my to take care of my bike. Yeah, and another way of, I I would say I say that in, in another way, a different framing of like I see culture, I see values, I see stories, I see people, I see families, I see yeah, absolutely. But you know, all it's the same thing. It's it's you know the whole argument for the border or like against immigration is just yeah pure xenophobia and just superiority versus inferiority, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um. I would love to continue this conversation. Well, in the, we would. Again. Another time. Over an, another tea and another banana bread. Oh, my God. Um, 
And thank you for, yeah, thank you for Ubering here. <laughs> yeah, super grateful. Super grateful. I'm really, really honored to actually be able to. And thank you, for, yeah, for sharing the story. Yeah, I really feel like this story is really like, I, I need to purge that, you know. Yeah. It's really important. It will yeah. come out of me because I'm sure there is expansion there. I'm yeah. really grateful that uh, you let me to express that. Yeah. I love you. Love you too. Hope you enjoyed the talk. Please subscribe if you're feeling it. Leave a review if you got some time. And check out the Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash wabi-sabi podcast. <laughs>